Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're here today because we love you. We love you because we found out how much you love us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. We thank you for your perfect plan, Father. Jesus, we thank you for your payment for that plan. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your power, guidance, and teaching, and love through this world. Guiding us to our eternal destiny and destination with our heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for using me today, Father, as you have shown me to help all those who hear or will hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm full today. Full, full, full. Not turkey and dressing. (laughs) Maybe a little of that too. This is one of those years again where it's a... We got it all this time. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is the turkey and the dressing... And then we have at your house <laughs> and the green bean casserole. You don't have to do anything but to do anything. Right? Yeah, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Except those things. Right. <laughs> but it was wonderful. Our new uh, grandbaby was at our house for the first time, the, what, five weeks old now? Or something like that. So that right. was great. Harper, the three-year-old, took care of her mostly. <laughs> and then there came a time when she just, something changed in her. And I'm so proud of our, our daughter, Samantha. She's the, that's, she's the mother of the three-year-old, and she's pregnant again. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she noticed it in her, and she, she gave someone the baby and she called Harper over there to her and she held her for a while and it just totally restored her you know because she she's a great helper and she's been looking forward to being a big cousin and all that and she loves to to help but you just start seeing she's like wait a minute yeah and she's at that stage where sometimes we call her the baby I'm not baby I'm a kid you know Okay, and then other times, no, I'm a baby. Depends on what she wants or whatever. <laughs> so whatever, whatever you say, sweetie. She got me wrapped around her finger, of course. Christmas, right around the corner. I'm glad to hear that y'all had a good Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, that's for sure. But. The Lord put it on my heart to tell you that you know that he's already given you his best, of course. But he said he wants to take away some things from his people so that they can be free to enjoy their life and to celebrate 
Christmas and every other day as they should with the joy of the Lord as their strength. Amen. Amen. What I mean by that is that not talking about physical things that he wants to take away, but there are a lot of people in the church and everyone in the world, I would say, that walk around with lots of regret and sorrow and sadness. And these are some of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ would like to He would like to exchange those things. No tricks. Just wants you to give them to him. And in return, he's going to replace them with confidence in God. Peace. Love and joy. Like you never had before. In this life. Amen. Amen. You know, the good news is, no matter what we're struggling with in this brief life, because no one ever wants to minimize those things. We know they're bad. We know it's tough. Life's hard sometimes. But the good news is so much better, so much stronger, but so far superior to the negative that we endure for a short time here that it's much better for us to think on those things you know what I mean? God is on the throne. Yes, he is. That's your daddy. He's not standing white-knuckled on the banisters of heaven, worried and wondering and mad. He's not. And he doesn't want you to be worried and hurt, offended, sorrowful, regretful. Isaiah 53 talks a little bit about what Jesus did for us. This is pre-incarnate, of course, through Isaiah the prophet. It's mentioned again in 2 Peter. But I look 53, Isaiah 53, I'll start at the second verse. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing really special about Jesus in his physical. He wasn't like King Saul, the finest specimen in the kingdom. He wasn't. Nothing special. God God did that on purpose. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds you are healed. Some people say that's just uh, spiritual healing. I can prove otherwise through scripture. By his wounds you were healed. Sozo. It's an all-inclusive spiritual, physical, mental. You were prospered in the way that God means. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow with it, you see. The good news is, you go to heaven. Jesus bore everything that you struggle with and worry over. He took it upon his body on that cross and leading up to the cross. And he took it down into the grave with him and he got up without it. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23, most of you are familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now listen, I came out of a... a, God bless them. I came out of a situation where they taught that 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 was a a command. (laughs) Isn't it good to be free? Yes, it is. I shall not want. Why? Because he, he's the provider. That's why. <laughs> Amen. Not because he's going to get mad at me if I do. <laughs> Let me move on. <laughs> he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Can you picture it now? He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know the the action uh, of that word restore, the, the verb tense of that is to reinstate. He wants to make you whole again. He wants to... That's why when we get off and we recognize that The things that are troubling us are are things that are too big for us to handle. We need to remember that we have a shepherd with broad shoulders and just picture ourselves as that little lamb, that lost one that he came and found. Amen. He's carrying you back on his shoulders. 
No wolf in hell will mess with this shepherd. Because he already kicked their teeth out. Amen. Amen. And he loves you. And he wants you to have everything that he died for you to have. He wants you to walk in it. In victory in this life. I say it over and over again because it means something. The night that Tavon and I were sitting on that couch and I was trying to come up with uh, a focal point, uh, the center the, the, of this church and, and he gave me that word help. And I said, it's all, about, it's all about help. It's all about helping. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, what is that? Anyway, there's a long history of God speaking to us together. And believe me, as you, as you all know, when you're married, it's, uh, it's really kind of him to tell both of you <laughs> something. <laughs> you know. I said, it is help. And I said, you know, to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. And that's why I began to pray over that and to, to thank him and how beautiful that was. He said, now you have to raise up. You have to allow me through you to raise up a core group of leaders. And at first, they, they have to receive that help themselves. That's why I always use the example of the oxygen mask dropping down in the, in the jet, in the plane, you know, and you have to put it on yourself first so that you're able to help the others. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's simple, but beautiful and powerful. Amen? Yeah. Look at Matthew chapter 8. You all with me today? Yes, you are. All right. I feel good today. <laughs> Put out our nativity set yesterday in the yard. We got one of those that stands in. It's all like that. Because Tavana, at her work, they won't let them put any decorations in their store. May offend someone. California-based company. Yeah. Bless that. God bless them. Touch their hearts. Let them see the truth. However, so anyway, I set it up. And as it was rain, beginning to rain, I went out and took a picture and I sent it to her. I said, here, you just, all you got to do is click on this anytime you want to see the real reason for the season all decorated up. She likes that. It was her mama's nativity set, so it's special to her anyway. (laughs) Matthew chapter 8. Look at the first few verses. And when he, Jesus, came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him. And knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know, Jesus, he is the most interesting person you will ever know. He is kind, considerate, brilliant, compassionate, loving, fun, and funny. But you notice he... He touched this leper before he was healed. First of all, the leper wasn't even supposed to be near him by law. And they were still under the law. Amen. He was considered unclean. There were many forms of leprosy in that time. And some of them were contagious. And, you know, the effects of that terrible disease. It's a picture of sin. That leprosy. There was no cure for it at the time. Just like there was no cure for sin. Only temporary fix. With the shed blood of animals. Take care of it on a temporary basis. Until you had to bring another sacrifice. Amen. Amen. But this leper was talking to the ultimate and only sacrifice that we'll ever need. Amen? Yes. He always goes above and beyond. This touch was very special. You have to kind of put yourself there. Just like when I was talking about Psalm 23, I always try to, to walk it out. I've always done that. I, I try to I try to I try to live Jesus' life as a disciple with him and picture myself in situations and and see the, the hardness of some of these and the and how hard it was to, to stand in faith. We laugh at the disciples and we like to use them, Peter especially, to make us feel better about ourselves, but hey, these were hard times. These were hard times. Have you ever have you ever been in a situation where you just you you just didn't have you just felt hopeless? Like this leper, you know. I've never had it that bad, but I I feel like I have, you know. Long long ago, but I had many seasons like this, all self-inflicted, I would say. I take responsibility, but times when you just were felt so alone and lonely and insignificant and unloved and unwanted. And I just can imagine. You see, these lepers were put off into colonies with other lepers, you know, until they either 
got over it and were able to go and show themselves to the priest and he declared them clean or they died. But they were grotesque in many situations. Gruesome, hard to look at and in pain. And But the emotional side of it. So that touch... If you if you read the word, you, you know what I'm saying. Jesus didn't have to touch him to heal him. You know, Jesus can speak, and someone would be healed miles away, right? Why did he touch him? Why did he touch him? Just because he loved him. Because he loved him, he. He touched him and he restored him. Not just the, to health, like he was asking for, but he restored his humanity and his dignity. And sometimes you just need a touch. You just need a hug. You just need physical contact. Just to someone to... I say I see you Absolutely. you know I see you and I love you it was unexpected and greatly needed and I'm sure that this man went on to be a disciple I like to see him in heaven you ever think about some of these folks I'm going to look that one up when I get there too you know and ask him about that day and that touch what it meant to him. But see, Jesus wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. He wants to touch that place. Even that thing that is so repulsive in your own mind, that thing about you, that you can't even really talk to him about it. There are things that sometimes we, it's hard just to remember some of the things that we've done or been through. And you just can't hardly stand to, to think about it, much less talk about it. And he wants, that's where he wants to touch you. Right there. When I was just coming out of uh, the world and, and all the hell that I had caused and been through and everything, he, there were still some problems. Um, not with me, he just, when I really, I mean, I, I mean, I, I dabbled with the thought of being a Christian. I thought I was a Christian, I guess. I would have told you I was a Christian. I was baptized drunk one time, you know, <laughs> but when I really got saved, he just took everything away and I just fell in love with him and I was so thankful. I was ready, man, you know, I was really ready. I was tired. 
I was just tired. But there were still some issues. And I asked this pastor who was working with me, I said, man, it just seems like it's just, you know, I just want everything to be like him now. I want him to be in everything and everything to get into order and everything to be peaceful and and all that. And it's just not happening, you know. And this preacher said, you know, you ever had a skunk under your house? <laughs> no. But he, I understood what he meant. So I just said, I just listened. He said, it's like you have a, sometimes you get a skunk under your house. And, and that smell. And you go, you go, and so you, you go and you get that skunk out. You kill it, you get it out. It's gone. He said, but sometimes that smell will linger for a while. It'll come back from time to time. But it's gone. You know, I was questioning the fact that I was a new creation, you know. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I said, you know, because a lot of people question whether they really got it or not, you know, because it doesn't seem like everything is new, you know. <laughs> he said, it is. It is. You'll see. But there'll be flare-ups and that... That old smell will still come around from time to time. The next day, I was in, I had left one of our businesses out in Tumball, and Tavana and I went to Kroger's. And she didn't like me very much back then, but we were together, and she was walking ahead of me a little, and I grabbed a grocery cart, and I was pushing it, and my phone rang, and, uh, my parents, or my, my mom and stepdad, are both dead now, but they lived in Texas City, and they didn't know much about us. They didn't know anything about what was going on, this recent uh, salvation experience or anything. But anyway, it was my stepdad on the phone. It, he rang, you know, and I'm, hello, pushing this basket. And he's laughing, ha, ha, ha. He says, how are you doing? He goes, your mom wants to know how your skunk is doing. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> and I'm just going along. He says, yeah. He said, your mom, last night she had a dream. And you were a little boy. And you're pushing a grocery basket. And you had a skunk in there. And so she wants to know how your skunk is doing. <laughs> and I said, you tell her that skunk is dead and gone in Jesus' name. What? No, you don't understand. Your mom, she had a dream. I said, I heard you and I understand. And I know what you said. And you tell her, I said that skunk is dead and gone. Uh, oh, all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you see that? You see how good? You think Jesus didn't touch me right there in that grocery store? All the way back to childhood, to the current situation. He showed me it was all fixed. And he was involved. He was there. 
just a couple days later, I was at a gas pump. Again, my heart was broken. I was still struggling with all the chaos and the wreckage of my past. And I was pumping gas and I just was looking into the most beautiful sunset in the West. Sun was just right there. And I just said, Father, I'm seeking you. And tears running down my eyes. It was like somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around 180 degrees and there was the most beautiful rainbow from end to end. It was like it enveloped me. Right out there in Tomball, I can show you the spot. And I was just overwhelmed. Because I knew it was him, of course. And then I looked around and like because there were people everywhere and I was like (laughs) and he's like nobody he wasn't showing anybody else but me he was there but they were busy God wasn't talking to them he was talking to me he was touching me boy did it did it help everywhere you hurt all those hidden places A week later, I was in a <laughs> I was in the parking lot of a Home Depot. I had to pull over because I was so overwhelmed with grief. And questions. And I was praying. And I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Something I said, I, I ain't doing that. <laughs> that mm, That's not God. And I'm not God. <laughs> So a couple days later, I was praying the most beautiful prayer language. Tavon was Googling everything she could pick up. And and he was confirming. It was was the most amazing things that were popping up. I was praying apparently for this group of uh, French priests about some big thing. And it was an invitation for people to help them to pray with them over a period of... I was like, just confirmation, you see. But anyway, I was in this parking lot of uh, Home Depot, and I was just began to pray, and I was complaining, whining basically to God, and trying to understand and trying to get closure, trying to get, you know just figure it all out. Basically, you you want everything fixed, and. Uh, and you know you've made the right move, but it's not happening quick enough. <laughs> and I began to cry out and pray, and I was crying and praying and praying in the Spirit loudly and crying and just letting it all out. The Bible says you don't know what to pray. Pray in the Spirit. And I was doing that, and I heard laughter. After a few minutes. And it was the Lord. It was it was Jesus. I heard it and I heard him laugh. He wasn't laughing at me. He was laughing like like I would laugh at, at Harper, the three year old, when when she seems she was she may think something is just the end of the world and I know that it's nothing. You know what I mean? And I want to laugh and just comfort her and 
And that's what he was doing with me. He laughed. And then I heard him say, I heard him tell me that he loved me and that I was his child and he was pleased. Just like he told Jesus. Later that afternoon, I went to have lunch with this pastor and his wife and I, and I was scared to really tell anybody. <laughs> but I figured I could tell them. At least if they thought I was crazy, they're, they're preachers. They're, some, they're used to it, right? <laughs> and when I repeated what, what I had just gone through and what he said, and when I said what he said, it almost knocked both of them off their chairs. It was like lightning hit them, you know. It was very anointed. It was him, and it was just more confirmation. He did a lot of things. He had done things for you, I'm sure. That, you know how God just speaks to us. I tell people, I don't care who you are, where you are, what sort of denominational uh, situation or whatever. If you're seeking God, you're going to find him. He will get you out of any mess you're in. <laughs> He might put you in another mess to teach you. He put me in a lot of messes to teach me as I was coming up. <laughs> I learned a lot, and I learned a lot of uh, good. I learned a lot of bad, you know, a lot of what not to do, and what things look like that were opposed to him, and what, and what really beautiful things look like. The point is, there's lots to do. I got 911 again this morning. And yesterday, all day, nine one one. Have you ever seen the last chapter of that book that I wrote? Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's about the nine one one and how God's been giving me that for years now. And it's not to scare us, but to prepare us and just, just the urgency that he has. I told you before he wasn't standing white knuckled, mad and angry and scared on the banisters of heaven, but he is eager. He's eager to return, and his return is imminent. And he honestly does not want anyone to perish. But of course, there are many perishing, and there will be, but that's not his desire. He wants us to be helped because, first of all, he loves us just like he loved that leper. But do you remember the demoniac when he, the other guy that broken his chains and he had a legion of demons in him he was living amongst the tombs in the graveyard I have another I don't know if it's in the book or not but God is approaching the shore of your graveyard home and uh, but anyway when he freed him of that legion of demons it was because he loved him he went for him but he also sent him home to go and tell everyone else. He became he became a evangelist at that point, you see. And that's what God needs. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Religion is plentiful, but grace and truth not so much. Not so much. So you guys are the fanatics, you know. 
There's, uh, there's not too many people who choose to come and sit under this, sit in a setting like this. You know, there's... Somebody told me once, he said, when you start your church, and now I've pastored several churches, but when you start your church, remember there's one on every corner. Why would they want to come to yours? And I guess every minister comes to that sort of crossroads where you have to make a decision. What's it going to be? Are you going after numbers, entertainment, and uh, child care, and all the things that will bring them in? Or are you going to stick with the truth and just let it speak for itself? And that's, uh, you know, I walked away from a setting where I was the pastor of uh, the, uh, the world headquarters of a large group. And uh, we ministered to 30 churches. And, you know, our IT, our IT department was bigger than this room. And there it was, Pastor Will, right on the door of this brand new building. And God told me one day, I said, Lord, I don't think. I was I was still pretty young. And, and even now, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of the word, but... Uh, there, there, there are religious folks out there that know more of the word than you ever will. And they're prepared for anything that you can try to t- convince them of about the truth, about grace and truth. And I was in one of those situations. I would preach and then every time someone with the title of bishop or apostle walked by, they would undermine everything I had been saying. And I, I, I was praying that God was going to use me to work from the inside out, you see. <laughs> Naive. And I finally broke down in that little office one day and I said, Lord, I don't think they're going to change. <laughs> and, and, you know, there had already been hints and, and things like... Um, uh, instead of Pastor Will sometimes saying, uh, uh, Bishop, oh, I mean, Pastor. In other words, trying to get that in my mind. You know? Ooh. See, there's a lust for ministry there can be, and it's a spiritual problem. Um, and we're, you know, we were doing uh, Live to all the churches and to England, to the Caribbean, things like that. And we were doing television commercials, and, and they were telling me I was going to be the head of the, the, televi- the worldwide television, everything, you know. So there's a lot for <laughs> you to consider, you know, and you start thinking, well, it's like when I was a young man and I was being groomed to be like the youngest uh, county commissioner we had ever had. And, uh, and so you start thinking about things, and this is before I knew the Lord, but even then, as a politician, you say, well, the ends justifies the means. If I could just get to a place of more authority, more power, then I could do all the good, but let me just get there first, no matter what. You see? You start, you start down that road, you don't ever come back. 
The ends don't justify the means we've got. And the only thing that really matters is the truth. His word is the only thing that's going to change anyone. Man, where was I even going with all that? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but here we are. And I guarantee you that God is, is, is using me. When I... Uh, oh, I, I, I didn't finish that story. That was I, the very last sentence. One day, I was in that office and he said... And I said, Lord, I don't think they're going to change. And he said, do you trust me? Yes. Are you prepared to take up your identity in me alone? Yes. Get your stuff and get out of here. Wow. Wow. And and then that, that led to a that was my second church. And then that led to a period of what we call, call my desert and my wilderness experience where God really began to train me up. And that's when we formed Grace and Truth Ministries somewhere around 2011, I think. So I think that was in 2010. And uh, nevertheless. But that's, you know, that was the best decision I ever made. You know, when I couldn't, when I had this open heart surgery and I wasn't even supposed to get up, much less drive, the first thing I did, because we were still at the old building over there, uh, we only missed church, I think, once or twice. I preached right up. I, I had the surgery on a Tuesday. I preached the Sunday before. I missed the week after, and I think the week after that, but if not, it was the week that I drove up there anyway. Not even supposed to be out of bed, you know. My wife had to work. I went up there, and nobody else was there but me. And I preached that message. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to keep doing what God told me to do. As long as there's life in my body. And he did me a favor when he helped me get rid of all the... uh, I I cast my cares on him, you see. As far as ministry, reputation, ego, all that. It's gone. You know, all I care about is... Everyone that he does allow me to influence on his behalf, then I can get them all to agree to meet me in heaven. Amen. Yes, amen. <laughs> I want to see you there. I want I want something to touch you. I want something to impact you. I want him to use me. I just want to be a vessel. Sometimes we have to you ever heard the word kenos? It's a Greek word, just means empty out. Especially with those of us that come from sort of religious or denominational backgrounds, you know, and we've just got some of the wrong stuff in there. We have to just empty out and just let the truth, whatever it is, no matter, don't let our traditions and doctrines of men make the word of God of none effect, you see. 
We have to be willing. We're not going to be perfect in this life, but we need to be willing to be perfected. Yeah. Fair enough? Yes. Lots to do. And, you know, Paul said in Philippians 3, uh, verses 12 through 14. I'll just read it real quick. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Philippians 3. Uh, yeah, here it is, underlined, all, all kind of notes around it. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, Paul said, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. you got to forget the things in the past. Not only our failures, but a lot of our victories. A lot of the, We have to just forget the past and just let God show us the future that He has planned for us. Just make ourselves available. Amen? Yes. It's not so much about our ability as our availability. Yeah. And we all have had somewhat of a troubled past. I don't even have to know you. It's like when people come to me with different ministry issues, especially it's usually about marriage or money. And I don't even have to, I don't have to know the details. I have the answer already. And our, it's, it's, there's nothing new. There's nothing new. It's a, it, it, it's a different situation. And to you, it's... But you don't understand. But yes, I do. And God does. But we need to receive the redemption and the justification in Christ that He has provided for us and just get on with it. We need to apply this word like medicine everywhere we need it. There's a promise regarding you and regarding your situation and all of them in Christ are yes and amen. And this is not a dress rehearsal. And for some of us, it's, it's almost half over. So we need to get on with it, amen? But I got good news. Joel 2.25 says that I... God will restore to you the years that the swarming locust hath eaten. Amen. Amen. He's a God of restoration. He can do more. What I, I told, used to told my, tell my brother before he, he passed away at my age. He was three and a half years older than me. So it was just a few years ago he passed away. But he did receive his salvation. He, he didn't live long enough to be discipled and to... To walk in the victory in this life that God would have liked him to. But I used to tell him before he got saved, I said, man, God can do more. Because there's a lot of people out there that when they live a pretty rough life and they get about my age, they're like, man, I already made my, you know, made my bed a long time ago. I'm just going to lie in it, you know. In other words, they feel, they think it's all about works. You see, they don't understand and he was kind of like that. And I would tell him, listen, man, God can do more with, if you only had 10 minutes left to live, he can do more with that 10 minutes than you ever did with your whole life. If you just truly surrender to him. 
I'm going to give you one more thing, and then we're going to leave, okay? Are you all starving? <laughs> yeah? Next week, we'll talk about fasting. No. <laughs> you really want to send the devil running? We'll get there. <laughs> one time, Tavana and I, we didn't know much about it. We didn't know much about anything, but we knew we were supposed to... That fasting was a part of the Christian life, and it is. But we we, we said, well, because I think it was suggested or mentioned or something in the in the word a word we heard, and I was reading about fasting. Jesus said that when he's gone, his disciples will fast, and I'm like, we need to fast. And so I said, well, we're going to do for like a day or two. I said, Let's do a week, you know. <laughs> Don't don't do that unless you're ready. <laughs> so Tavana and I, <laughs> oh, you, you have to get her to tell the story. She's so animated anyway. She gets you tickled. But oh, I don't know. We were on about day six or five or six, and <laughs> we, we shouldn't even been driving. I'm telling you now. But we, but we could have some vegetables, you know, and we we weren't doing a. A, a nothing fast, but we were doing vegetables and uh, and, and and like <laughs> we went into a a Chinese uh, buffet place in uh, Tomball. It's still there, and because uh, we said, well, on there we could get find some vegetables on there, and and I mean, literally, we were like we were like this, you know. And we went in there and we sat down at the table and we we're like. We look at each other, and it's like worse than drunk and high and all that, you know, combined. We were just like loopy, and we're like, we need to get out of here. And I said, yeah. We went and got in the car and went home, and I said, I think we need to break this fast. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I said, I think he'll forgive us. <laughs> it ain't nothing about God forgiving you anyway. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But looking at John 21, we're talking about being restored. We're talking about leaving all the baggage behind. We're talking about God healing us everywhere we hurt. Getting rid of our regrets and sorrows and sadness and worry and hurt. Rejection. Fear. Amen. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 21. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, I call it Breakfast on the Beach. This is after Jesus was resurrected. And you remember, you talk about missed opportunities. You talk about past mistakes and present crises. Think of Peter. When Jesus died on the cross and Peter had rejected the Lord, of course, three times on the night of his betrayal. And and then he couldn't even, I'm sure, I, I feel like I know Peter in many ways, you know. And I know he was such a, a strong-willed and, and stubborn man. And I mean, he was, willing to, he was willing to die in a fight with Jesus. We saw that, right? They were outnumbered and outgunned and... So to speak, and he cut somebody's ear off to save these, but he wasn't willing to go through the emotional and social rejection. You see that the claiming Jesus will sometimes bring upon us. 
And he found that to be true on the night of his betrayal. And he had denied him three times and he was broken and dejected. And I'm sure he thought that he was going to end up just like Judas. I really believe that. And here the disciples were coming in from fishing. So he went back to fishing. You know, he just... This, I could just see him, you know, if he, if he had a Harley, he would have been just, he would have just been on the road, you know. I just, I got to get out of here. So I, I'm going fishing, what he said. You know what I mean? That was his, his place, just to get out on the water, you know. We used to say when I, when I was still riding, you never, you never see a Harley in front of a psychiatrist's office. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But look at Jesus on the beach with Peter here. John 21. Look at the fifth, let's start at the 15th verse. When they had, well, I want to back up because I love this story so much. And I'll show you something. Verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in the place. They were coming in from fishing all night. And they, and John recognized Jesus. Uh, they saw somebody on the beach at a fire cooking. And John recognized it was Jesus. And when he said that, Peter jumped out the boat and swam to shore. <laughs> and when, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, verse 9, with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. Why 153? Uh, I'm a big numbers guy. I'm a big numbers guy. We'll talk about it another time. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. How many times did he deny him? He asked him, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed y'all. Feed, feed the people. The word. Amen. Yes. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. That's a picture of restoration with God. 
He three times that's me. Yeah. He denied him three times, and so he allowed him to undo it. Yeah. But you notice anything about how cool besides the whole thing? How cool the Lord is. His process of restoration when he when you were a child, in other words, and your parents, you did something wrong, they eventually forgave you, but they came and talked to you about it. They tell you all about it, remind you all about it. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> did Jesus ever say anything about what Peter had done? Do you love me? Present tense. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Future. Tense. Just just now and the future. Now and the future. The Lord gets so tired of us continually asking for the same old forgiveness for the same old things. You know, He forgave you 2,000 years ago. Hard for us to understand. But it's true because it's in the Word. He was crucified before the foundation of the world. Some things you're just not going to get wrapped around with your mind. If you try to do this life in here, you're going to fail. You have to live, you have to be like that palm tree that gets its nourishment from the core, from the spirit, not from the outer flesh. Like the other trees. Amen. Yep. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us how he has qualified us. I want to read it to you, but I promised you some. I'll let you go. So read Colossians chapter 1 when you can. But it says that Jesus is the one who has made us qualified. See, you, you are now, you have made, you've made it. You have become qualified for the blessings and made acceptable. Colossians is powerful. And then it goes on to talk about now, okay, Jesus is the one who's made you qualified and acceptable in God's eyes to receive the blessings, all the blessings of God, all the promises are yes and amen, see? So now you can look for every good. If he did it for somebody, he'll do it for me. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's why we're not like that leper. If you're willing, I can be cleansed. Why do we not have to ask that anymore? Because he showed him he was willing. Now we know he'll do it for us. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. No respecter of persons. Done deal. You're acceptable. You're accepted. You're qualified. Now just reach out and claim it. Amen. The gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. That's what He gave you. You didn't earn it. He's not going to take it away. Not as the world gives my favorite scripture. In John... 1427, that fateful night, he was telling them all about the Father, the Holy Spirit. And then it's like Jesus wanted to give them something very personal 
of his own. And he said, peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's your part. You see? It's a relationship. If I can keep you out of fear and unbelief, you can ride the storm out in peace. Amen. It's a gift that I'm not going to take back. But there's your part. you got to run that fear off. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Walk in that victory. Because it's yours. Because he earned it for you. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for loving us, teaching us, and guiding us. Help your word to take root and bear fruit in our lives. Help us to be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered. And to help others with the same help we have received of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.